Welcome, everyone, back to another exciting episode of the Faith Awakens podcast with me, your friendly university chaplain, Father Tom Hennon, and as always, with my co-host... Megan Grady, student, um, but not for much longer, which I'm trying not, not to not think really. about. Not really, yeah. So You're <laughs> a quarter of the way done through oh, your senior year mm, already. Where's the garbage can? I want to borrow And uh, half of your senior <gasps> year is going to be student teaching, so yep. that's going to be different. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, not to make it sound worse, I'm, but yeah, see, I wish you're a short timer. I, I wish I wasn't nostalgic. Like, I wish I was just, like, could just not be sad about things. You wish but. you could be a stoic. Yeah, me too. Yeah. So you wouldn't let it phase yes. you one way or the other. Just I just wish I was deal neutral. Yeah. But then I guess it's not as meaningful. So. Exactly. You know, if you didn't weren't sad about anything, then it probably meant you didn't really care about anything. Like right? my mom was here. So my mom went to St. Ambrose really quick. And like she um, she was walking around with us. Uh, they came up to visit me. And we were walking around. She's like, oh, aren't you just, aren't you sad? We were talking under the Ambrosian Oaks. I'm like, <laughs> mom, can you not? And then Don't she started crying. And then I almost started She started crying? crying? Yeah, almost. Oh. Yeah, and then I almost started crying. It was a lot. That's the kind of effect this place has on people. I'm just telling you. So yeah. there you go. <laughs> we are very happy to be joined uh, for this episode. Episode 28. I had uh, temporarily lost track. Well, don't because tell them that. We've had so many episodes that, you know, you just lose track over time. I, I yeah. can barely count that high. So we're, we're up to episode 28 with this episode. And we have a very special guest, and that is Dr. Dan LaCourt from Ooh. our very own history department. And so, Dr. LaCourt, please uh, tell us a little bit more about yourself, maybe uh, where you did your graduate studies, how long you've been here at Ambrose, what are your areas of interest, any hobbies, that kind of stuff? Well, um, I've been here 20 years at St. Wow. Ambrose, teaching history, um, medieval, Renaissance, Reformation mostly. Um, I have a PhD from Fordham University in New York. Uh, I work with medieval intellectual history, so all mm. the written stuff. Okay. And um, my areas of specialization are usually monastic spirituality, monastic mm -hmm. history. Um, the Trappist Cistercians is the area I publish in most. Okay. But I've been working on some Carolingian stuff, some ninth century stuff, mm -hmm. um, and, and hobbies. I'm, I'm helping my son restore a, a 1962 Chevy C10. Oh my God. That's cool. That's I found awesome. a new obsession, um, welding. Really? Yeah. Welding is so fun. Yeah, it's like every weld is an opportunity yeah. and invitation to you do sound a like better you know weld. Something. I do know how to weld, yeah. Really? I, I yeah, I grew, well, we have a farm, so. Oh, um, well, that does make a difference. Yeah, no, it's fun. Yeah, I'm not good at it. Too, so <laughs> it's very fun. This is, uh, this is my latest uh, I'm kind of jealous. I want, to, I want to try this out yeah. sometime. You'll have to have me over to oh, weld. I got an extra Welding helmet. party. Yeah, yeah. So. <laughs> that's awesome. That's very cool. I know I had been... At your at your home for a Christmas party, probably the year before last, yeah. and you had built a a hurdy gurdy. Right, the hurdy gurdy was. A, <laughs> oh my god! <laughs> yeah, you be nice, Meg. Okay, I'm Meg's not gonna heard say the gurdy, no. and I don't think That's there was awesome. enough wine that night, so she remembers the gurdy. Mm. Um, <laughs> the hurdy gurdy was a kind of an experiment. About five years ago, I got my buddy from uh, John Deere. He's an excellent uh, engineer. There holds many patents, and I convinced him that doing a 12th century medieval instrument was what he wanted to do. And, you know, there's, it's such a unique instrument that it, it caught his interest. And he has a wood and a, a metal lathe. Yeah. So we made everything, every piece of this. Uh, it's, a, it's a stringed instrument 
that's bowed with a wheel. So you mm-hmm. crank this wheel and it hits the strings and it's keyed instead mm-hmm. of fingered, right? Mm-hmm. You finger the frets or the, um, mm-hmm. the uh, keyboard. Um, so it sounds, no matter how well we did, um, it still sounds like bagpipes. So uh. I guess it's authentic because well, that's what yeah. Gertie sounds like. So Yeah, well, you got the drone in the back. Yeah. And then well, I had my son's friend who, who's a, a young, a budding guitarist, and he's got all the pedals and everything. He came over one day, and we mic'd up the Gertie and sent it through some... Some uh, electric hurdy gurdy. Yeah, it was really cool. I got distortion. It was almost like five finger death punch meets the Middle Ages. Oh my goodness! Oh my gosh! Yeah, yeah. that sounds amazing. That's fantastic. Yeah, I'm interested in other things. Yeah, nice, nice. Oh my good and i know uh just before we started recording we were talking about you, you you don't like running and i'm with you there but you do run yeah um a good friend of ours for the last 30 years is a cardiologist and mm-hmm. he said to me just when i was hitting my so about 17 years ago he said uh whatever you do just keep moving hmm. so i i of course because i kind of why just do something when you could overdo it i started <laughs> training for a tough mutter and uh-huh I got hooked and it was my time in the morning to run a couple of miles. And, you know, now if I, it's, it's odd. I keep breaking things and things fall off as I get older and I still go and I still love that time in the morning. So I will say though, I don't enjoy like mid run that feeling necessarily. Sometimes I do. Sometimes you can, I hit that stride and it's like, okay, this is all right. Um, I always appreciate after running. I'm glad that I did run. Yes. And there is something to a half an hour, which is sometimes like probably I'll run not more than 5K generally when I do run, but sometimes maybe up to 10K. And that little time, that little chunk of time when I don't have my phone on me, nobody's asking for anything. Right. There's no emails <laughs> coming in. There's no texts dinging away in my pocket. Like, that is nice. Yeah. I like that. Yeah. Mm. So Absolutely. I am literally running away from the world for yeah. that yeah. little short yeah. pocket of time. Some yeah. people run longer, and yeah. uh, I guess it's cheaper to therapy, but you're running from something. Right. Like. Mm. Well, I've never run ever, so yeah. I don't oh, well, know what yeah. you're talking about. Uh-huh. Right. <laughs> I've never run. I haven't run today. I have an off day today, but well, no, go. I totally agree. And like, I know both of you just look at me like I'm insane when I tell you how long I run and like... Uh, I know you guys make fun of me when I'll be like, oh, I only have like eight or whatever. Not to your face, but behind right, your back. Right, behind my back. I I appreciate that respect. That's, yes. Um, but honestly, I feel the same way. There's days where I'm like, oh my gosh, I hate this so much. Why have I been doing this for the past 10 years or however long I've been running? But um, yeah, there's just those runs that just like keep you on it coming back for more or you're on like i don't know if you guys run on the bike path or not mm-hmm. um just like looking around and i'm like oh yeah this is nice mm-hmm. like i like this a lot well, i told uh, coach tomlin uh the track coach here mm-hmm. um i told him we were we had that dry spell for a while uh, in in the summer and it started to rain like one lap in Mm-hmm. and the smell and the cool and oh, everything it was oh, just yeah. one of those moments yeah that was the like best. i'm gonna keep this going you know That's this good. is cool and even yeah. with even with races like it's hard like it hurts so bad i'm not even gonna sugarcoat it it's so terrible but like mm-hmm. running with your teammates there's just like that feeling that i'm i'm gonna get a soundtrack again um just like that feeling of running with your teammates and all shooting for a common goal you're all running the same course you know you're finishing uh one after another it's just like 
I will say there is no a difference in like running it. with people. And I ran with you and three of your teammates yes. a couple weeks ago on a Saturday morning. Mm-hmm. And we did the bridges route. And um, I probably would have quit early without you. Um, <laughs> because I would have just been like, I'm done. This is fine. You know. But, you know, especially coming up Main Street Hill. Oh, you know, yeah. Um, that, that's probably where I would have given mm-hmm. it up. But so there's something motivating about when you're running with people. You yeah. Know, that, Kind of keeps you, you can keeps join you next time, no. Dr. Court. No, I'll happen. be texting you. <laughs> no, dreams are never coming true on that one. You know what? And yeah, like people are always like, oh, you're too fast. No, like, no, everyone can run together. You know, it's not yeah. like. You no. guys were very merciful to me. You didn't, oh, we were, uh, you know, we were tired too. Were, so. Oh. <laughs> so the uh, reason we wanted to have you on today is uh, as a historian, um, to talk a little bit about, I know, a subject that is near and dear to my heart as well, and that is just the place of, the importance of um, the liberal arts in general. Um, We are at a diocesan Catholic liberal arts university, and um, we know that that is still a very important part of who we are, um, and I I pray that that is true well into the future. Um, We talked about in our um, podcast last week, Megan and I talked about how we chose our majors, because I was a history major, history and philosophy, and your history secondary education. Mm -hmm. And part of the reason that we were drawn to history, in fact, was that you could you could learn a lot potentially about a lot or at least a little about a lot and you could go into greater depth where you were more kind of fascinated um but just the idea of these uh what we call truly the liberal arts and and i think for for listeners too sometimes that term is confusing because when we hear the word liberal today we think politically liberal like capital l liberal Mm -hmm. and it's just meant to be like the freeing arts right these 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 arts that allow you to grow and think in new ways and and kind of um so just maybe wax on a little bit about the, uh, the importance in your mind of the liberal arts and the oh, place wow. in your life? Um, it actually changed my life. I was, um, as I, I, I refer to myself, I was a, a, a chuchaloon from a New Jersey public school, never having carried home a book all of <laughs> high school. And I ended up, I don't know how, uh, at the University of Dallas, which is a classical liberal arts school. It's sort of like a great books approach. Yeah. So... Um, the first day of school, they hand me, uh, you know, the Iliad by Homer and Plato in a different class. And these primary sources also are being used in um, my history class. And every single course you took there really was one part of this great intellectual tradition, mm-hmm. uh, which we would call the liberal arts. Mm-hmm. And as I, as I started to encounter these texts, um, it changed me. The things I thought about, the environment, my intellectual environment, sort of changed so that by just the very first semester at Thanksgiving, I went home and I wanted to know and speak deeply on a subject. And my, my friends, and no, no fault to them, they were still you know, talking about Bruce Springsteen and drinking beer on a hood of a Dodge. So yeah. I knew something had shifted. And I think it was the Platonic uh, Aristotelian with seriousness, trying to understand these great uh, gifts, gifts of mind and gifts of writing, Mm -hmm. that kind of started pushing me out of my sort of traditional way of thinking. Hmm. And and I just fell in love Mm -hmm. uh, with the pursuit of wisdom. Mm -hmm. And as I went through the Middle Ages and, and saw the development of this way of educating that really comes to us from Greece mm-hmm. uh, after the Persian Wars, um, they needed uh, citizens that could self-rule and, uh, and be able to think 
about a variety of subjects, but with some seriousness and precision. Mm-hmm. And it's actually the, uh, the sophists came up with this sort of uh, canon mm-hmm. uh, or, or curriculum. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they get a bad rap from Plato, but yeah. uh, this way of teaching translated into Rome and then was taken up in the Middle Ages, mm-hmm. um, formalized and when the Middle Ages came up with the university system. Mm-hmm. And then has been passed on to us. Um, the trivium and quadrivium, the seven liberal arts, it, there is no finer way to educate. Mm-hmm. There might be ways to you know, train mm-hmm. and maybe indoctrinate that are successful. Um, sort of the memorize, regurgitate, yeah. you know, over specialization, and when that's a training. But mm-hmm. education should be freeing. Mm-hmm. You should you should have an approach to the world that is reflective. Mm-hmm. And, and, and precise in language and, and method. Mm-hmm. And this is what the liberal arts fostered and mm-hmm. fostered in me and done seriously uh, is, is continuing to do it for generations of students. Yeah. So. That's beautiful. That's, <laughs> I mean, I'm, I'm right with you. I think, um, I, I don't know that I would have, as a college freshman, had the language um, then even to to, uh, talk about what the liberal arts were. I'm sure I didn't really know what that meant. I knew that the things that I tended to be interested in in high school and that probably were determining where I wanted to go to college and what I wanted to study in college were, were, um, you know, kind of more in that vein. Um, But I wouldn't have had the language for it. And I I specifically remember some of those early philosophy classes uh, that I had here uh, the introduction to philosophy and ancient in particular and medieval, I think, that gave me that were eye opening to me. And you know, the the first time a student even thinks about the 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 Plato and the cave, right? And just the concept that what what if this world is not what it seems to be, but is the shadow of this other more robust and beautiful and richer world? You know, that that's a kind of a mind blowing thing for yeah. a college freshman at 18 years old, 19 years old to think about. And, and it starts you down this path. And when you, you, you have some experience like that in a class or from encountering, like you say, some of these primary texts, you want more of it. Um, it's addicting. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and, you know, my library size uh, has grown. You know, for a kid who didn't pick up a book in high school to have the texts that I have, and I look at them like they're old friends, <laughs> you know, because I've learned from each one of yeah. them. And um, reading these these texts, um, what they did for me, and I hope to do and bring out for my students, is uh, not only encountering magnificent thought, Mm-hmm. you know and precise and detailed and deep and reflective and all those things but what it did was it sensitized myself to to my own needs mm-hmm. like it brought up sort of we used to say at the university of dallas the eternal questions yeah. that every human at every time period ought to be thinking about what makes me happy does. and yeah what is what do, what is happiness yeah. what is justice what is the nature of the good you know yeah. and you know when you put some t- you know some backbone to that it's it's it transcends time and place, mm-hmm. so that can speak to us today. Yeah. And um, I was I'm friends with this the novice director up at um, New Mallory Abbey, mm-hmm. and he uh, he once tried to explain to me what it's like to do meditation mm-hmm. uh, in the Cistercian Trappist tradition, and he said, when the text when scripture mm-hmm. becomes written on your heart, 
not mm-hmm. in a meditate, uh, not in a sort of memorization kind of way. Yeah. But when it actually comes to life in your heart, mm-hmm. then that's when scripture then is actually alive mm-hmm. in the world. And and I think of these texts in similar ways too, like Cicero on friendship. Mm-hmm. You know, is he's a lot of good things that we ought to be thinking about. And you know, and it used to be Facebook had friends and stuff, and all these contacts and their apps and all these things. But what is real friendship? Yeah. Right. And and Saint Ambrose looked at Cicero's on friendship, mm-hmm. and considered it in a Christian context, mm-hmm. and took it a step further and gave nuances and understandings mm-hmm. that are important for today. Yeah. And then in the twelfth century, the, the the guy I study most, Aelred of Rivaux, looked at Ambrose mm-hmm. on friendship and wrote a whole new, uniquely sort of 12th century perspective mm-hmm. on this age-old question of what makes a true friend. <laughs> and so, you know, these things are still good for us yeah. to learn about, especially in an age where everybody's arguing for attention uh, <laughs> and not giving very good, you know, answers. Yeah. Um, it's a great place to go. Megan, I'm curious, as a current student, if yep. um, somewhere maybe in your first year or two here, um, did, did you have one of those kind of aha, mind-blowing, eye-opening kind of liberal arts experiences where some concept in a class you took or some idea just kind of hit you between the eyes and kind of yeah. transformed your education going forward? Um, I mean, I'm going to have to plug the history department. Um, I'm biased because I'm a history major, mm-hmm. but um, what a group of all-stars. I love them all <laughs> dearly, even though even if they don't love me back. But um, they're great. <laughs> and just to be clear, you're not currently taking a class from Dr. LaCourt right not. now. Okay. I'm not. And I'm <laughs> devastated about that. I was really sad. But there's no grade in the balance here is what I'm saying, um, folks. So, okay. Yeah. No. Um, but... Just the fact that, especially with LaCourt's class, um, the fact that a lot of people, especially in popular culture, look at the medieval era and say, oh, they're, they were so stupid back then. They mm. like, they... The dark ages. Yeah, the dark ages. And like, just how we grew up kind of with that persona and mm. then coming to and to here and taking Dr. LaCour's class and learning like we shouldn't be ridiculing them we should be thanking them for all these things that they've given us all these tools that are still relevant in the 21st like century like the university itself so, like, yeah <laughs> one so little d- thing one don't let thing. your head get too big yeah. but oh it's very kind words you no speak. i think i think the history department here i mean does an amazing job of tying history with current events um obviously to the best of their ability but in a meaningful way i think mm-hmm. um mm-hmm. but yeah that's anyway. actually a very excellent segue. We oh. always come up with one. They yes! always just naturally no, appear. Always come up they with naturally one. appear. But that idea of connecting history with current events. And so um, kind of taking a little bit of a different tack than our conversation has taken so far. But as a historian, um, how do you kind of evaluate or look at the times in which we are ourselves living? And I'm um, thinking of that famous phrase, of course, that history never repeats itself, but sometimes it rhymes. You know, yeah, it rhymes. And that idea it looks that, awfully familiar. Right? Yeah. It's, so you know, there are certain, and, and I am a thorough believer that you can learn from the history, the lessons of history, uh, even though it doesn't precisely repeat itself. And in fact, if we don't do that, we we stand uh, to lose a lot. Um, but at the same time, um, you know, recognizing, yeah, there's. How often in the last six months have we said, in these unprecedented times, you know, um, well, yes, they are, they are. And yet, 
not um, too. So how do you how do you wrestle with that? Um, it's it's hard for me because I'm I'm kind of um, <laughs> out of touch, and I intend to be out of touch with a lot of the modern world. I I don't really. Well, you watch. build hurdy gurdies in your yeah, garage. I, for God's sake, you know I barely get out of the garage. Um, but you know I'm aware of current events, and and I read enough. Uh, uh, I don't, but I don't pay attention to 24-hour news, and I don't. Amen. I think I have a couple of apps on my phone. My son tells me I do, but I I'm not too tied <laughs> into any of that. I think I saw my LinkedIn page for the first time, like since January today. You know, it's kind of neat. Nice. Um, but I don't really get in for all that, so I, I kind of. You know, I'm standing sort of on the edge of looking in-ish. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, somebody said something to me yesterday. They said, you know, fascinating times we're living in. And I went, well, sort of. Um, yeah, <laughs> when I look at pandemics, my perspective starts at the Black Death. Yeah. <laughs> where nearly half of Europe died. Yeah, yeah. And when you were infected, you tended to die. Um, so I kind of have a different perspective on that and they didn't really have any therapeutics or, or or any like vaccines on the, you know, kind of concept. You just either survived or you didn't. And, Mm -hmm. you know, all the recent plague studies, well that, you know, that's a hobby of mine too, reading that, you know, since the mapping of the human genome, it's kind of changed everything. Mm -hmm. So I still, you know, I look at, you know, Mm -hmm. yeah, people still get sick, you know, people still get fearful of, of getting sick and uh, you should be, I guess. Um, but, uh, you know, scandals and, and, and people screaming for your attention, um, you know, battles, partisan battles. I was just mm-hmm. teaching about the Roman Civil War today because, you know, brought, brought to you by partisan strife and, and huh. uh, odd application of their own laws, you know. So it's, if it's good for me... Uh, it's got to be bad for you kind of thinking, you know, and, mm-hmm. and it, then when you switch, then all of a sudden, oh, that wasn't well thought out, you know, yeah. that kind of thing. So I, I kind of I always see these patterns in history um, and I can never get out of Plato's cave, hmm. especially with these apps and with social media and the sort of virtual reality um, I Socrates nailed it, man. Hmm. There is always somebody else trying to recreate our reality for us to give us something that we're told is true. Mm-hmm. And in fact, with a little scratching and a little investigation, it always sort of turns out to be not accurate. Yeah. And that sort of troubles me. I'm, um, and and hmm. it, it, it's troubling and, and there's nothing you can do about it. Um, but, uh, hmm. you know, it's no different than, you know, any other time. It's just louder and constant. Mm-hmm. Um, I think, and yeah. I keep waiting for uh, for something to sort of some sort of shift. You know, the next thing, because mm-hmm. um, there's always a next thing. Mm-hmm. Um, but I don't get too wigged out by anything, mm-hmm. um, especially being a, a medieval historian. I tend to need some time and distance to reflect to see what was fluff, yeah, and what was accurate and. You yeah, know, that sort of thing. So I That's try not to raises an interesting point too. I think the longer view of history sometimes gets forgotten, mm. um, spe- even in current events like what we're kind of going through in our own country right now and politics and whatnot. We're only looking at it kind of. We tend to kind of compare it to the mm. two hundred years that we've been yeah. a, a, a country, you right. know. 
and and so that that's our frame of reference is American history you know so we don't pull in things like the Roman Civil War and talk about partisanship then because we think oh that's irrelevant that was a, a you know millennia ago and and a very different culture and different time and people and all that kind of stuff but human beings are human beings and that's one of the things that the liberal art the art liberal arts teaches you you know is what it means to be human and mm -hmm. uh, and and you start to see more 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 similarities there across cultures and times than dissimilarities. Absolutely. So yeah. yeah, people don't change only what they think is important changes. Yeah, yeah. I like that. Uh, you know, the the going back to Plato's cave again too, and it does feel a little bit like we're all kind of in our own private little cave, which That's, is about yeah. the size of a smartphone. Mm -hmm. um, <laughs> and we're kind of staring constantly into this little. Well, in some ways, cave, we actually you know. put the the shadows on our own walls. Yeah. You know, whatever you, whatever algorithm is shooting at you today, you know, but you've already yeah. liked half that stuff, so they're pushing you down that direction. So how can yeah. you really grow? How can you really think? You know. But we're shouting over our 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 shoulders at the other people that are looking at their own little cave wall with its shadow Absolutely, puppets like yeah. you're watching the wrong thing this is the truth you know right. um and in fact yeah instead of actually like turning fully around engaging each other face to face not looking at our little shadow wall but actually having a real conversation yeah. in real time and going out into the world and exploring things that granted can be scary but beautiful yeah <laughs> you know um no i think that's spot on so it, yeah. yeah it's interesting megan yeah. what are you thinking it's interesting um that's a good point like i know a lot of people you, you use the like example of a cave uh, people go to that cave and they experience so much anxiety at least for me personally mm -hmm. i experience so much anxiety but then i later go back to that cave for some kind of solace mm -hmm. and then i'm like struggling to find it well yeah i'm not gonna find it that's the source of my anxiety in the first place so it's just interesting yeah um it's just interesting how that's the process right here. I don't know. Well, yeah. I don't know how to break that process, but it, it, um, it has become a kind of, uh, strange comfort food for us, I suppose, you mm -hmm. know, it's, it's easier yeah. to do this, you know, just like it's easier to make instant Mac and cheese, but it doesn't compare no, it does to, not. you know, real Moms. food, right. Yeah. You know, <laughs> um, so it's, it's that kind of same thing, I think yeah, where really. some, yeah, I see a lot of disconnect. You know, I have younger kids. Uh, you know, Petey hmm. is out there, and um, I I try to encourage him to look outside the phone, get off the tech, right? Mm -hmm. And and he's he's good like that, and he has a very full life that doesn't just sit online, you know. Um, but I wonder, you know, if if left to your own devices, do you ever would I have been any different than him mm -hmm. uh, wanting to seek the phone or the uh, Fortnite mm -hmm. or whatever <laughs> you know onliney thing is going on um it, it's very difficult because it's very enticing yeah. um but yeah i still i my best days are are engaging with um with the the text mm -hmm. um but it's been a while for me but i would you know i would encourage people to seek the truth yeah um, not just the partisan, you know, sop. Yeah. Because um, yeah. then you you don't really grow, and you don't you're not really truthfully, you know, uh, s searching out the, the good and the true and the beautiful. You know, yeah. you're just reinforcing yourself. Plato has a dialogue called the Ion, hmm. and I originally read it because he dismantles. Uh, 
an artiste, an actor. And my wife's a theater director, so I thought I'd get under her skin and, you know, start. You know, that's how I had three sisters, so that's kind of a hobby of mine. Yeah. Um, so I, I read this thing, and, and, and one of the first things he sorts out in the beginning of this dialogue, he says, you know, what do you do? How do you do it? You know, standard Socrates stuff. And the guy spews back stuff, and he starts sort of speechifying uh -huh. to Socrates. And he's like, okay. If you don't really want to talk about anything and to do a true discussion, but just yell your speeches at me, I'm leaving. Uh -huh. And that's how the dialogue starts. Huh. But I think pro sort of the thing that I worry about with, with the, you know, kind of mm -hmm. being in your own cave is that you, you sort of memorize your lines and you don't really engage other mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. or other ideas. You don't take them seriously because you've been actually filled with a preconception of their lines before you've even talked to them. And that, I don't yeah. think we grow like that. Or how often, and even we had, there was a vice presidential debate last night. I only got to catch a snippet of it and been reading <laughs> about it today because I had other duties last night. But um, even, even in those things, when a question is asked, mm -hmm. how often is the question actually answered? Yeah. Instead, it's like that becomes the springboard for them to speechify, to yeah. go into their, you know, and both candidates, you know, yeah, uh, it's, it's, fall into that. Everybody kind of comes with their prepared thing and here we go yeah it's not new cicero was doing that with the catiline uh conspiracy and yeah. you know some of his best speeches are just hand in back yeah. <laughs> sort of the partisan platform there's something else i wanted to bring up about the technology piece not just that it kind of you know yeah it's this uh it's this kind of shadow cave that we go into but also um i know myself personally how easy it is be, to become a slave, especially to emails. And I get emails all times of the day, you know, um, uh, work emails, you know, and, and what is my instinct? Because I'm a, I'm, a, I'm a good worker bee, you know, like I'm gonna answer this thing. And pretty soon your leisure is like sucked up. And I'm thinking of a book I read way back in seminary, I think Joseph Pieper's um, Leisure is the Basis of Culture. Mm -hmm. um, but you need that experience of not doing anything, maybe even to the point of boredom. And then you'll think, you know what? I wonder what it would take to build a hurdy-gurdy in my garage, you know? <laughs> and that gets you like, gets the creative juices flowing a little bit. Yeah, but the, the technology piece too being, not to be ranting on technology, I guess, but uh, does it does it actually, you know, keep us working all the time to the extent that we can't actually create anything beautiful or well, think it, those big thoughts? You know, um, Boethius writes the Consolation of Philosophy, and mm -hmm. in in this in this text he he's sitting with uh, uh, Boethius is the is the prisoner uh, he got on the wrong side of an emperor, and he's sort of bemoaning his fate. You know, all his whole life's falling apart around him, right? And he's, and he's in prison, probably going to die. So Lady Philosophy comes to him, reflection and leisure time. Mm -hmm. She comes to him and she says, you know, what are the things that you, you, you thought were going to make you happy? And it's all the standard stuff that we would money, fame, um, f you know, relationships, uh, power, glory, all those things, you know, fashion in a way, he answers, mm -hmm. you know, and, it, and it's, 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 it is, it begs for your time and it, and it, and it, and it pulls on you. When Bernard of Clairvaux writes in the Apology, um, uh, the Apologia, he says, you know, why don't I want, you know, uh, fancy 
artwork in the church because it drags you out of what you should be doing, which is meditating hmm. and taking that time, right? Hmm. So it's like the world is very needy. Mm-hmm. It needs a lot of attention. <laughs> and it's, it's, it's occurred at any time and at any age. For the medieval monk at four in the morning trying to meditate, looking at a beautiful carving that's so fanciful, right, uh-huh. is as attractive as, the, you know, your latest, yeah. you know, uh, whatever huh. Snapchat street thing, whatever meme. Uh, you just talk. like combined like five social media. <laughs> okay. There you go. But yeah, we do need the time for the reflection. Yeah. Absolutely. In order to, to, to see. Or what. even like what were you we talking about at the beginning with our runs, you know, yeah, that little absolutely. time away yeah, that you're, absolutely. you're not, you're not plugged in. You're enjoying nature. You're paying attention to your own breathing. Um, maybe just to survive, but, um, oh my goodness. so yeah. <laughs> we got deep today yeah wow this is good this is good we need <laughs> thursday, to do this more often thursday. So, um so dr dan Lacourt, thank you so much for being on the show this My was pleasure. a lot of fun and um i'm sure our teens of um of listeners we're probably in the teens by now of listeners at regular listeners definitely maybe, maybe definitely more than in that, the teens yes we'll, we'll uh, really enjoy this so well, thank you no for doubt. having me yeah Absolutely. i do want to say i do want to like put you on the spot and say um uh congrats on the uh grant for the history department wow, you all hold the first two-year stint of that chair yeah, so i think chair. it's a big it's a big honor and it's yeah. well deserved thank you and um i don't once again i don't want to get your head too big but i do want to say how much i appreciated you as a teacher and um that you are very well loved on this campus so thank and you. i hope you know that don't yeah Thank you. Megan's getting nostalgic. I am, Megan. Yeah, that's a new segment we like to call Megan Gets Nostalgic. And thanks her mentors and friends. Okay. Well, thank you very much. It was very kind of you to say. And yeah, um, History Department uh, uh, got a a great honor with a donation and an endowed chair. And uh, I'm lucky enough that uh, they thought well of me to uh, give me the first shot at this. So yeah, it's, it's a good time for Ambrose. Yeah, that's good. He's, he's going to get good. a throne, he said. So. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I was thinking of like the Game of Thrones, the sword right. thing. Oh, yeah. Anything that's within cool. the budget. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, definitely. See what I can do. Yeah. Maybe a throne of books. That would be cool. I could do it. I could you, do could do yeah, you could do honestly. that. You could do that now. You weld the frame. <laughs> no. I'll mm. stick the books on it. Well, I'll bless yeah. it. There you are. I don't think it'll hold together. All right. But. All right, Meg, bring us home. All right. May the faith be with you. And with your spirit. Have a good week, everybody. Mm.